James, thank you so much. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, your God, who speaks. You spoke creation into being. And uh, we thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you continue to speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Uh, you speak through the beauty of creation. You speak through Scripture. You speak uh, through other people to us. You speak through prophecy, dreams, and visions. Lord, in all sorts of ways, we, we thank you, Lord, your God. You haven't left us alone, but, Lord, you speak to us. And we thank you, Lord, that your words are full of love and encouragement and correction and wisdom. And Lord, calling us to live fully and freely as the human beings, men and women, you've called us to be. And we want to give you thanks. Lord, speak to us afresh today. Refresh us in following in Jesus Christ's footsteps. Give us fresh confidence, fresh humility, fresh joy, fresh peace, fresh wisdom. Lord, also pour out your Holy Spirit, to bring healing and, and also, Lord, to bring reconciliation and, and to bring deep peace in our lives. And Lord, we pray that also you'd stir us up to have fresh confidence to, to minister and to share our faith with others as well. Lord, that you'd pour out the gifts of your Spirit that we uh, may be people who are full of authority and full of power and full of compassion and full of love in the world, that people may know that you are the living, the one true and living God. And all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There's some nice background music going on there, which is great. And we're going to have, on that theme, we're going to have a little bit of a pop quiz. So, Let's see if you can guess the next line to the lyric I give you. Extra points if you can even sing the next line of the lyric or the title of the song or the, uh, the most perhaps famous person who recorded the songs. Here we go. I'm sitting in the railway station, got a ticket for my destination. Simon and Garfunkel. Song title? Homeward Bound. Well done. I'll buy you a diamond ring, my friend, if it makes you feel all right. Can't buy me love. Well done, Beatles. Slightly more modern one here. Homegrown alligator, see you later, gotta hit the road. George, George Ezra, name of the song. Shotgun, I hear shotgun there somewhere. The sun, it changed in the atmosphere, architecture unfamiliar. I can get used to this. Next one, I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Abba, what's the next line? Money, money, money. Ain't it sad and still there doesn't seem to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad, well done. Okay, when I was a little girl, I had a rag doll. Not me personally, but just to let you know. I can Tina Turner, well done. Name of the song? River Deep, Mountain High. Very good. Uh, probably the Supremes and the Four Tops are the f most famous version of that. Today is going to be the day they're going to throw it back to you. Oasis, song? Wonderwall. Uh, next one, and I will trust in you alone for your endless mercy follows me. Well done, Sir Tarnan, Lord's my shepherd, your goodness will lead me home. 
Tommy used to work on the docks. Union's been on strike. He's down on his luck. He's a big Bon Jovi fan. You straight away there, living on a prayer. Well done. At night, I wake up with a sheet soaking wet and a freight train running through the middle of my head. Bruce Springsteen, only you can cool my desire. Oh, oh, oh. I'm on fire. I was looking for the Bruce Springsteen fans there. There, the, Here's the next one. There the wicked carry me away in captivity, required from us a song. Rivers of Babylon, Boniam, based on Psalm 137. You were working as a waitress in a cocktail bar when I met you. Human League. This is your era here, Peter. This is good. <laughs> I picked you out. I shook you up, I turned you around, turned you into someone new. Well done. Look into my eyes, you will see Brian Adams. There's the romantic ones coming out. Everything I do, I do it for you. Tunes, song words, they stay long in our memories. There may be other words that we've read or we've heard, but we'll not remember them as well or as easily. And they're in our, in our memory together. There are songs and there are lyrics and there are tunes that can come to mind from. Some of them are written quite recently. Some of them are written hundreds of years ago. And some of them are written thousands of years ago. In there, there were the words of uh, two Psalms, Psalm 23 and Psalm 137, songs that were written many thousands of years ago, and yet they're songs that keep being reshaped into new songs, uh, ones that are really familiar to us. And we may well use those songs to express something of our own personal story or our story as a community. Uh, we may well borrow the words of some of these songs. Uh, there, there, there may be some of those songs that Brian Adams has sung that could be first dances at weddings. That, uh, there could be songs like in the middle of a cost of living crisis, we want to sing along with Abba, money, money, money. There could, we often borrow the words of songs. It could be to do with heartbreak. We might sing along to Human League, Don't You Want Me Baby. We, we tend to borrow the words of songs to fit our moods, and they may well shape um, how it is that we understand our story. We often sing songs as well, not just in the shower, but also as a community. So if you've been watching the Rugby World Cup at all, and you're watching the fans and the players sing the anthems, either the official ones or the unofficial ones, you know what it looks like to see grown men cry. Because they're filled with passion. And sometimes the the commentators are saying they know who wants to win the match most by who's singing hardest with the most tears before the match actually kicks off. Sometimes the commentators can practically say who's going to win the match just by based on how, how focused the players look before the match actually starts. So all these all these songs are ones that are sung as part of community, and it could be that the community is like a church community that has a, a church hymnal or a songbook. It could be an unofficial uh, 
anthem set that's on a Spotify playlist, or it could be one which is actually just in the corporate memory that people can sing on the terraces because they know the words of the songs. Over this next couple of months, we're going to be reading one of the most famous and ancient songbooks in the world, the Book of Psalms. This week, we've started into the first part. There are five parts, five little books within the Book of Psalms, and we've started to read this week the first 41 Psalms, the first book in the, in the Immersed Poets. And so, these are songs that were written thousands of years ago. And there were songs that were written by individuals, and there were songs that are also, they were sung by the community. And so, when we're, we're reading these songs, we're reading Scripture, and we're reading songs that, that the Jewish people and the Christian people have sung over hundreds and thousands of years. And there are different types. There's songs of there's songs of praise, there's songs of lament, and there's songs of thanksgiving. And there's different types of psalms within there as well. So there's psalms of wisdom. So like Psalm 119, full about focusing on the wonderful wisdom of God and all about how if we follow God's instructions, then we will live an abundant life. Or there's songs of ascent they're pilgrim psalms that the people of Israel would have sung on the way up to Jerusalem for one of their big festivals. And the people, I know some people have been recently uh, from this church family on the Camino Way, the way of pilgrimage. And there's songs to sing on a journey together as people of faith. And the Jewish people sang these songs of ascent or pilgrim songs as they were going up to worship at Jerusalem. And then there were also there were royal songs, like the one that James read for us this morning, Psalm 22, which are all about the King of Israel or about the High King of Israel, God Himself. And whenever we hear a psalm like Psalm 22, as Christians, our minds very quickly turn to Jesus. Because some of the words and description in that psalm echo so strongly and so powerfully the description in the Gospels about the crucifixion of Jesus that our, our minds just very quickly move to Jesus. So in that psalm, verses 7 and 8, everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads, saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves them so much, let the Lord rescue him. Or later on in the psalm, the psalmist sings, My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me, and they pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. And yet this was a song that was written hundreds of years before Jesus Christ was born. And it's written by someone who's obviously going through an intense time of isolation and pain. This wasn't just a song that's a prophetic song about Jesus. This is a song written by someone who has been to hell and back. And this was a song too that was in the song book of the people of Israel, and it's in our song book too. And so just as we have stood to sing three beautiful songs this morning, the people of Israel would have, would have sung together this song, 
and they would have sung it when they gathered even as thousands of people in Jerusalem. We may wonder perhaps how the people of Israel related to this psalm, and over the decades and centuries, we could say, well, the people of Israel have been able to relate to psalms of suffering and isolation. And there are many Christians in the world today who would say, I know what the author of this psalm feels like. And yet, of course, it's also a psalm which is prophetic. Some of the descriptions seem to be metaphorical to do with bulls and, or lions or dogs or wild oxen, but some of the language seems very specific regarding thirst and mocking and nakedness and piercing. So this is a song book, a song and a song of Israel. Whenever we read Mark's gospel and the account of the crucifixion, we hear about the moment whenever Jesus died. And at noon, Mark tells us, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Here's Jesus on the cross as darkness falls on the land and he sings or shouts out the first verse of this song. Isn't it true in our lives that whenever we're in the places where our emotion or our sorrow or our joy is at its highest, we turn to words not that are said, we turn to words that are sung. And Jesus sings the first line of a song. It's a royal song. It's a song which was sung by the people of Israel that Jesus knew by heart. It's a song, it's a song about a king. And coronation psalms and royal psalms were about declaring the kingship of Christ, and they were also about supporting the king as he went into battle. And that's what Jesus Christ was doing on the cross for us. John's gospel tells us that on the cross, there were really two things that were happening. One was that Jesus was being crowned. This was the coronation moment of the king of Israel, when the king would be lifted high and all those who looked to Jesus would discover salvation. And also, it's a battle cry, Sam, saying, we support our king who is going in alone to battle against the forces of evil. Here's Jesus of his own free will, and in this moment of crucifixion, he takes upon himself the sins of all people throughout all history. He bears his sins, our sins, in his body on the cross, and sin separates and so in this moment, Jesus is experiencing what he didn't need to experience. He experiences what it is like to live life separated from God the Father. This is something that had never happened before, where God the Son felt isolated and separated from God the Father because our sin was upon him. You and I know what it's like to live a life 
of isolation. You and I know what it's like to have a deep sense of dislocation from God. We've been born into this reality, but it was one that Jesus had never experienced until this moment. The song that Jesus sang, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is our song. It's a song that we were born into. It's a song that we're very well aware of. We know what it's like in our lives to try and put a good face on and try and live as if this isn't the reality of what it means to be someone who's living in sinful brokenness and separation from God. But you and I know what it feels like. We certainly know what it feels like before we come to living faith in Jesus Christ. It's what brings us to the place of faith in Jesus Christ because we discover that there is this gnawing emptiness and fear that we just can't find a solution and answer for. And so we come to Jesus. Jesus Christ never had to sing this song. This is our song, the song of dislocation and fear. And yet, he sings it alone on the cross on our behalf. And yet, the amazing thing is that this song is a song that Yes, it contains a heartfelt cry, but it also contains a declaration of faith. And so, there's those wonderful words of faith that are woven into the midst of the cries for help and the litany of trouble. So, in verses 3 to 5, the psalmist sings to the God, "'Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them.'" They cried out to you, and they were saved. They trusted in you, and they were never disgraced. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you from my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. And then two-thirds away through the song, there's this like key change, a breakthrough. No longer does it seem there's this deep sense of isolation and despair, but there's hope in the context of a community of faith. It goes from this moment in which the singer seems to be saying, I am utterly alone, when actually the singer, as it were, is turning around to others and saying, sing this song with me, because this is our song. This is our community song. I will praise your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. The last line of this song in Hebrew can be translated he has done it. It can also be translated, it is finished. I wonder if Jesus sang more than just the first verse of this song on the cross. Because John, another gospel writer, records Jesus saying, 
or perhaps singing out or shouting out the last verse of this song. When Jesus had tasted of the sour wine held up to him on a stick, on a hyssop plant, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This song is one of the great royal coronation songs in the book of Psalms. Jesus the King is being enthroned. He's singing a song that only he could sing, really. It's a song which turns from a place of isolation and desolation to a place of victory and a declaration. A declaration about what he is actually doing in that moment on the cross for us. The saving work of Jesus Christ that he was called to do on earth is finished. He has done it. He has overcome sin. Death itself has been defeated. In this meal this morning, we gather as the people of God, knowing the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. The reason why we're here is because God became flesh, lived and died among us, and He was totally dead and now is utterly alive. And so we celebrate this meal in His presence as the people of God, knowing that death itself has been defeated. And the fact that Christ is resurrected is proof of the fact that you are forgiven and I am forgiven, that we are washed clean, that what happened on the cross when Jesus sang that song that started in desperation and ended in victory is a song which is proven true by the resurrection. You and I have been made clean. And so whenever there's that temptation in our lives to despair, to be filled with fear, or to be filled with doubt, we can remember the theme song, the theme song of Christ, which is our story, which expresses who we are. There was a song sung, I think it was back in 2009, and I remember the words of it vaguely. Uh, it was a song by um, Emily Sandy called Read All About It. And um, I'm trying to remember now, uh, the first verse of the song. Um, that might have gone from me. Um, you've got the words to change a nation, but you're biting your tongue. Can't remember the rest of the first verse. I wonder for us in this world if actually. we're feeling forced to become silent. And actually, we need to, as it were, hear, hear, hear the song, hear the song that Emily Sandy sings. You got it? Thanks, Johnny. 
You've got the words to change a nation, but you're biting your tongue. You've spent a lifetime stuck in silence, afraid you'll say something wrong. If no one ever hears it, how are we going to learn your song? So come on, come on. Let's get the TV and the radio to play our tune again. It's about time we got some airplay of our version of events. There's no need to be afraid. I will sing with you, my friend. Come on, come on. And then the chorus. I want to scream. I want to shout. I want to sing. I want to shout. I want to scream till the words dry out. So put it in all of the papers. I'm not afraid. They can read all about it. Read all about it. I wonder if the Lord is saying to us today as individuals, as a church, as Christians in Northern Ireland, as Christians in the British Isles, I wonder if the Lord is saying to us afresh today, come on, come on. Don't be afraid in your family or your workplace or your neighborhood or in your context in any way, to let people read all about it, to see the song and the story of what it means to live a Christian life in your life and in our life as a community. The song is really about a creeping pressure that tries to silence us. And that creeping pressure can be one that is felt within our family if our spouse says, do you really believe all that stuff? Or the powerful voice of a parent says to us, are you a Christian? I know what you're like. Let no one silence you. Don't let the media silence you. Let no one in your workplace or among your friends or neighbors silence you. It's a very subtle pressure. It's not that we get proud or arrogant. We're humble. But let's let everyone read all about it in our lives. And let's, in a gentle way, in a loving way, in a frequent way, tell our story. It doesn't need to be a, a five-minute monologue, but even just a sentence thrown in here or there to say about the hope that we have, the hope that has transformed our lives, the hope of Jesus Christ who died for each one of us and also died for the ones that will listen to a bit of our story. I want to sing, I want to shout. I want to scream till the words dry out. So put it in all of the papers. I'm not afraid. They can read all about it. Let's pray.